Blog Talk Radio.
session. We are honored to be able to speak to you on this very day, August 23rd, 2020, which our focal theme tonight will be issues that you need to know. We're going to discuss some issues that we believe that you need to know. And like always, we will welcome you to join in with us to have this critical discussion. And we talk about these issues and how they're impacting our community and our people. And you can do that by dialing 323-679-0841. Like always, the agenda for today will start out with our political analysts and panelists and introduce themselves, following by what's going on in your world and the community. And then we will discuss articles of interest as it relates to our topic today, which is issues that you need to know. So you know how we do it on this particular radio. Let's get started with our party by introducing our political panelists and analysts for today's program. We first start with Brother Haki, and we will bring him in. We'd like to welcome him to Africa on the Moon. Brother Africa, thanks for having me. My name is Haki Kamaki Mashoki, currently with African Awareness, and of course, you know my thing is all about institution building. And one of the things, real Brother Africa, I, I find uh, <clears throat> somewhat, somewhat extraordinary is that these polls I keep receiving from the Democratic Party, as though they're somehow oblivious to the kind of corruption that's so much a part of the so-called democratic process. So it got me to thinking in terms of does democracy really exist <clears throat> in America? And of course. One of the things is that one, one, one of the problems that is misconception among the populace that, in fact, uh, democracy does exist in America. So what I want to do today is to simply uh, concise as possible to sort of dispel that myth that democracy really exists in, in America. Now, check this out. Now, from the Constitutional Convention of 1787 to the Democratic National Convention of 2020, any relationship between voting and democracy have been tenuous at best. If voting is intended to signify a healthy democracy or mass participation in the political process, this platitude falls painfully short of objective reality. Democracy, as we understand it, is a system that values input from the citizenry. However, history suggests this understanding of democracy is not reflective of U.S. history or its institutions. In fact, the founding fathers despised democracy. James Madison stated, democracy is incompatible with personal security or the rights of property. Property being the only legitimate catalyst for government policy, he went on to say, and I quote, reducing mankind to a perfect equality in their political rights, they would at the same time be perfectly equalized and assimilated in their passions, possessions, opinions, and so forth, end quote. Madison decreed expressing the dangers of democracy sought to juxtapose an alternative system, a system which the perception of democracy would be offered without implementing real democracy. Implicit in the strategy is a notion poor people or non-property owners are not to be beneficiaries of any social contract, but pawns to be used by wealthy individuals for the purpose of enriching the wealthy. Now, this contempt for democracy did not subside with the passing of the colonial era. Despite an age of enlightenment, church-state separation, freedom of thought, and voter right movements, including Africans, Asians, and women, the fundamental hostility to democracy persists. This hostility to democracy is abundantly clear in 2016 when 17 million people were removed from the eligible voter rolls. 
disenfranchisement resulted in millions of mail-in ballots not being counted. This strategy was so effective, Trump has decided to resurrect this strategy on a broader scale by weakening the post office. Efficiency. This will be achieved by removing box offices and defunding the United States Postal Service system. Not only would this strategy prevent mail-in ballots, but in addition, will create a long-term strategy by appointing Louis D. Joy, a postmaster general. Now, for those who don't know, the current postmaster general, Louis DeJoy, uh, he invested between 30 to $75 million uh, toward competition uh, to the United States Postal Service. So he stands to make a lot of money by destroying the Postal Service. So he, get, so he achieved two objectives. He not only destroyed in terms of people's right to actually vote, but more importantly, <clears throat> he creates a long-term destruction of the post office, which means that Louis DeJoy benefits to the tune of hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars as a result of that. So the kind of corruption that exists in this White House is, is unparalleled. Now, disenfranchisement of voters is problematic on many levels. Even though the right, Voters' Rights Act passed in 1965, the Supreme Court ru- ruled two years ago in Hustad versus A. Philip Randolph Institute, the states have the right to run their voting systems as they see fit. If voting is the cornerstone of democracy, <clears throat> removing eligible voters from voting rolls for nefarious reasons like not voting in two years or failing to respond to correspondence from voter registration, what does it say about democracy? Perhaps the very conservative Supreme Court is simply validating the perception of the Constitution, namely, the U.S. Constitution does not recognize democracy. This is the very definition of originalism as applied to the U.S. Constitution. Disenfranchisement exists on many levels. Often we associate disenfranchisement of voters with Republican operatives. The reality is Democrats also engage in disenfranchisement of voters. The most recent example was the 2020 Democratic primary. The two frontrunners were Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden. Even though Biden won the primary, the methodology employed by Democratic Party leadership was less than honorable. Disqualifying younger voters from voting by allowing student ID, by disallowing student ID and voting machine breakdown, resulted in 5.8 million people being disqualified from the vote in primaries. This was compounded by the fact Democratic Party officials continually floated the idea only Biden could defeat Trump. Despite Sanders energizing millions of young voters, the Democratic Party, in all its wisdom, chose to split and divide the Democratic Party, increasing the probabilities that the Orange Menace would be reelected. Similar duplicity was used against Sanders in the 2016 primary against Hillary Clinton. Superdelegates, or the ultimate deciders of primary races, openly endorsed Clinton without regard to voters' sentiments. The fact that they, <coughs> the fact that they are not mandated to reflect voters' preference underscores the corruption that is inherent in primaries and why democracy could never be a primary concern in terms of political process in America. Now, having said that, the question I pose to the African Union and working class community is very, very simple. If democracy doesn't exist, can we seriously think that appealing to those so-called institutions, do we seriously think that these institutions are in a position to actually give us democracy? So it seems to me that, you know, once we come to the realization that uh, the answer is no, then it seems to me that what we have to do we have to build those institutions, organizations in terms of self-empowered. At the same time, we have to bring to light <clears throat> the kind of very misfeasance, the kind of uh, corruption that is so inherent in this whole political process and the stri- struggle for real democracy in this country. So without those institutions, the pursuit of real democracy is simply not possible. So we have to have those institutions. We need an organization. So that's what I encourage people to do, to get about that business of building. And I close with that, Brother Africa. Again, thanks for having me. Thank you, Brother Haki. Next, we'll go to Brother Anthony. Welcome to Africa on the Moon. 
Thanks for having me, Brother Africa. Revolutionary greetings to you, the fellow panelists, and the listening audience. My name is Anthony Williams. I'm an organizer for the All-African People's Revolutionary Party, GC. Objective is Pan-Africanism, the total liberation and unification of Africa under scientific socialism. Thank you, Brother Anthony. And we now go to Brother Moses. Welcome to Africa on the Moon. Thank you, thank you, Brother Africa, and greetings to everyone within the sound of my voice, especially the illustrious panelists. My name is Robert Andrew Moses, and I've been in the struggle for scientific socialism from the moment I was introduced to Marxism during a government class back in my high school years, 1968. I call Marxism the race to cure racism. I bear witness that there's one God, Jesus, who is the author and finisher of my faith, and that Mao Zedong is his messenger for government. Fathers, help your children. And thank you once again, Brother Africa, for allowing me to be on the show. Thank you, Brother Moses, for your contribution, always. Panelists, what we're going to do right now, we're going to take a quick rupture culture break. When we come back, we want y'all to give our listening audience some information concerning what's going on in your world and the community. We'll be right back. This is Africa on the Move.
dreams, living in pain, today is the same, and nothing ever changes. Hung by a noose, can't tell the truth, filled with abuse, and everywhere there's danger. How long can this go on? When will the light I see? I know I must be strong to last through my journey. Yeah, last through my journey. When we must decide to get off the ride and stop going through these changes. We must prepare and learn how to care, but soon we'll be there while our lives won't be in danger. And when the light is clear, oh, how beautiful I will be to know. That I've been here and made it through my journey, yeah, and made it through my journey, yeah, 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 made it through my journey, made it through my journey, Hellerino. A bloodline across the waters, from Benin to Salvador, Bahia. A scar across the face of the earth. Pellerino, the place they brought the Africans, the place where they tried to make them slaves. Pellerino! You can feel the whip, hear the cries, and see the blood in the red clay. The clay that holds the stones together is African. And each stone is a bone from a people called slaves. Pellerino was the place where death came to dwell. His neighbors did not complain, for he was a way out. From the cold, gray, cobblestone streets to the lifeless cathedrals, tall walls of demons called angels, haunted visions of white faces, crucifying Jesus again and again. But in the sacrifice of this blood, of this dance with death, comes life more rich, more pure, more alive, where death spent many lonely nights, pacing the floors of his funeral parlor, waiting for someone to die. Pellerino, a French word called the place of torture, became a place of strength, a place where faces of white saints became faces of black gods, where haunted visions and demons became healing visionaries and orishas from the motherland. And Jesus rejoined his kinfolk and was reborn and baptized in the sound of sensual skin turned up to dance, to inspire a fire like the sun pronouncing his presence. Pellerino was the tongue of the flame, licking the eyes of those who have tried to remain blind, shining a light on a spirit that would not be denied. No, the chains did not break the spirit, did not enslave the music of my soul, did not shackle the will of my freedom, did not tarnish the glow of my gold, and all the Pellerinos in Africa, in Europe, in North and South America cannot destroy the majesty of my people. 
the love of my people shining like the sun everywhere we go. Everywhere we go. When the light is clear, oh, how beautiful I will be to know that I've been And made it through my journey, yeah, and made it through my journey, yeah, 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 yeah. Personnel. 
With regards to the first point, federal government's expenditures for police departments have grown exponentially. With the passage of the crime bill in 1994, the Community-Oriented Policing Services Program, COPS, was established. This program was specifically designed to enhance federal government's influence where focus switched from community-based control of police to federal-based control of police by using federal funding, which will come directly from the federal government. Thus far, the COPS program has spent $14 trillion hiring police, and as mentioned previously, expenditures have grown exponentially, currently reaching $343 million. Currently, COPS program focus has been less on its outreach toward facilitating police hiring. It has elevated to include more funds for technology, specifically technology related to information sharing among all levels of law enforcement, both federal and state. Historically, the federal government has been reluctant to give access to its information out of fear the state may use it inappropriately to harass citizens or worse. That philosophy has changed. In the age of everyone's a potential terrorist, changes in government policy reflects this disingenuous sentiment. And the second point, organization requirements are reflected by the character of the people hired. Police organizations are dedicated to institutional power, and when that institutional power conflicts with the citizenry right, the role of the police department lies squarely with institutional power. Resolving this inherent conflict between protecting the citizens' constitutional rights and preserving institutional power can best be limited by employing people, for whatever reason, who are predisposed to support institutional power, even with such support fundamentally disadvantaged themselves. In this regard, institutions, whether police organizations, financial institutions, or judicial systems, all fundamentally agree that police serve as a front line of defense, protecting the state power from the masses of working or poor people whose desire to see an equitable paradigm does the very existence of capitalist institutions that routinely marginalize, oppress, and humiliate. And the idea of personnel of police, according to to COPS program must show deference to power and a history that indicates individuals who do not question power. Community-orientated policing services or COPS, thinking along those lines, mandated two requirements that ensure subservience to power will be a character trait and potential police recruits. This will be facilitated two ways. First, the COPS program will end up financing police training. By ending professional training, the preferred conditions will be established in which the citizen would be easily perceived as the enemy. This strategy is particularly effective because in 1994, the COPS program mandated the hiring of veterans. Without professional training to counter years of military conditioning, the natural inclination by many veterans would be to see a gathering of people as provocation. People expressing their constitutional right to press will likely be seen as the enemy. Perhaps this is the reason behind COPS program assistance on hiring veterans as police. Given COPS program has spent $343 million in 2020, we can be assured that such expenditures carry a lot of weight among law enforcement agencies. Second point, when Massachusetts Supreme Court ruled discrimination against uh, uh, two intelligent applicants for police work would be denied, who could be denied job as police officers, it said a president COPS uh, program could agree. First, recruits would be denied training to enhance their professionalism. Now, individuals deemed too intelligent will be denied opportunity to become a police officer. From a political system perspective, intelligent people may be prone to question orders they find questionable. In this regard, bright people may potentially reduce the police department's effectiveness. However, as the citizens, one could either they would feel better if police were more uh, self 
self, possess more self-confidence and a moral parameter who could carry out their task without the need to deny citizens' conscience rights or see them as, as enemies. Such a police officer would be an attribute to the community. Perhaps this is why the police system would deem such a candidate inappropriate for police work. Now, there's a downside in terms of hiring people who, who have this difference to power, people who are serving to power. That is that all human beings have a certain amount of autonomy. In terms of desire to have control of your life is very important for human beings. So what happens when you constantly give away your sense of what little power that you have, constantly giving to those in, in, those in the positions of authority? So on a psychological and emotional level, it does impact on you, and it manifests itself in terms of, in terms of you know, uh, your behavior. This particular report, the National Police Misconduct Statistics and Reporting Project, talks about the fact that among police, the incidents of assault, sexual assault, and murder of, are, are extreme. And so the mere fact that just these kind of things are happening sort of makes sense in terms of, when you look in terms of the propensity of cops to continue to kill, you know, African and or poor people, then understanding that this whole question in terms of autonomy is very, very important. That if you're demeaned, if you have no power at all, then if you can if you can arrive a sense of some power by killing other people, then the problem is that from a social, sociological or psychological point of view, you're more apt to do that. And then superimposed upon that is the fact that when you've got a situation where the, where the federal government actually endorses the killing of African and or poor people, then certainly if you don't have if you have a lack of sense of authority, uh, certainly you can you can make yourself believe you have a sense of authority by killing those people that you perceive. Uh, uh, unworthy. So the nearest analogy I can think of, Brother Africa, is for uh, 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 a person at work who has been teamed with all kinds of um, uh, difficulty in terms of workplace, and then comes home and take it out on the ch- beat the you know assault the children, or 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 the or the um, or, or batter the, the, their loved ones uh, simply because of the kind of loss of autonomy that they're feeling. But the same kind of situations happen in terms with respect to police in terms of the loss of autonomy. And so it's a, serious, it's, a, it's, a very, it's a very serious question. And the mere fact that the police department are very clear that this loss of autonomy does impact on one's behavior raises serious questions of what, knowing that, why do you persist in hiring people knowing full well that potential in terms of sexual assault, assault, and murder uh, is, is going to happen at some point in their career? So why would you do that? Clearly, if, they did, if, if the police killed the wealthy folks, then clearly uh, there will be a change in policy. But as long as police continue to kill African and or poor people, then this kind of policy remains in place, even though it's detrimental to the uh, uh, to interests of the community or the nation as a whole. Okay, Brother Hackey, we thank you. Next, we'll go to Brother Anthony. Brother Anthony, what's going on in your world in the community? Uh, certainly. Um, <clears throat> I want to add one other point to uh, uh, Brother Hackey's observation. The police also get millions of dollars from um, from private fundraising efforts uh, engaged by uh, various police organizations, such as police benevolent associations, and that's on top of what they get from uh, uh, the uh, the government mental agencies uh, he described. Uh, one. Add that uh, th- that this is the next to last Sunday in August, and uh, Black August holds a special significance for some sectors of the African community. 
It's referred to as Black August because uh, it was in this month that uh, several, uh, you know, of our political prisoners were assassinated, in particular George Jackson uh, back in uh, 1971, along with his brother, uh, Jonathan Jackson. And 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 uh, so uh, uh, so uh, some people have used this month to commemorate the the uh, the continued incarceration of our political prisoners, such as Jaleel Mutakim, uh, Mumia Abu Jamal, uh, Seiko, uh, uh, and, and and numerous others. Some of whom have been freed over the past few decades. But there are a lot that are still in prison throughout the United States. And also, uh, recently, uh, there was a violent, uh, there were clashes between two, two demonstrations in Portland. Uh, one, uh, an anti-fascist group were clashing with uh, forces on, um, on the European white wing in Portland. And the police did not intervene, uh, you know, to stop it. So it was a very violent uh, demonstration. So again, it adds a question of why, uh, why uh, you know, police are so heavily funded in, in this society, and if this and with the fact that the, uh, that 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 capitalist societies are designed to protect the interests of the bourgeois ruling class. Okay, Brother Hefty, we'd like to thank you, and we're going to move forward next to Brother Moses. Brother Moses, what's going on in your world and the community? Well, Brother Africa, I tell you, it's been a whirlwind of a week. Um, I think, you know, the Democrats had their little party convention, and um, certainly uh, I think Michelle Obama probably was the best of the of the lot uh, in terms of her uh, analysis of the situation, and um, I don't know. Um, the Republicans are coming up this week, and I'm sure they have a lot of spin and and uh, convincing arguments in some people's minds of why this this fascist should continue. Um, but, you know, this is fascism, and we have to face it for what it is and act like we we know what it is. I mean, the, the first his first election, I couldn't believe it. I, I, I just don't understand how people could not be alarmed by him. But but anyway, um, I'm 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 going to leave it right there. Thank you. You thank you, Brother Moses, and to our listening audience, you're listening to Africa on the Move. We are discussing what's going on in your community and the world, and we will continue to this discussion. If you would like to share what's going on in your world community, please call in at 323-679-0841. We will take this revolutionary break, and when we come back, we will continue this dialogue. You're listening to Africa. On the moon. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, what's up, man? Brother, what's up? Oh, hey, hey, how you doing? 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 Hey, how you do
they went publicly, said they would never take no money, they won't do this, do that, and for this cause, and now we see what it, what it was all about. So, I'd like to hear y'all take on this corruption. Do you think he does, he's really going to get some time, or he's going to beat these so-called allegations? Panelists, talk to me. Haki, what you Sure, think? I'll, I'll start. I agree with I that. Think- yeah, I think uh, those corruption charges are symptomatic of the way the bourgeoisie believe, uh, be, behave, in, you know, in the society. They, uh, they, 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 they steal sometimes openly. Sometimes they try to uh, to cover their tracks. A lot of times they do that that they, they, they do it openly because they have the political. Uh, the police and military power to do so, and uh, is uh, and is somewhat related to the corruption that uh, brother uh, 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 brother Haki described earlier and uh, and 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 uh, talking about this bourgeois democracy. It's not a democracy. I mean, the ruling class has the system rigged. So that no, no matter who or who's visible, they stay in power. <clears throat> and I think this uh, banning case is a late is uh, you know it's a recent example of that. Yeah, I uh, I I like it. I like it. The sense of entitlement that exists among the uh, the so-called. Um, capitalist class. I mean, it knows no limits. And the fact that, you know, they, they prey on, routinely prey on poor people uh, doesn't by any stretch of the imagination mean that they won't prey on each other. And they often do prey on each other. The thing about this case is so interesting is that this whole question in terms of building a wall, uh, one of the things about it, they're not talking about building an entire wall. They were talking about essentially building part of a wall. And so you know, so so when you and think in terms of building part of all, then you could see in terms of the kind of the, the reasoning behind it. Uh, the reason was not so much in terms of focus on that wall, but in terms of how to raise people some money. Because if you're really concerned about raising money in terms of you know of, you know building a wall, you wouldn't build a part of a wall. You build a total wall. So the mere fact that talking about part of the wall enables them to have access to funds was, I think, their real motivation all along. And it's good that he got caught. But the thing is that, see, the thing is that he thought that simply because he had some understanding, some connection in terms of individuals who were very good in terms of concealing money, he thought he could do the paperwork in a way in which, you know, conceal, you know, uh, the kind of um, uh, fraud that took place. Well, apparently he wasn't that sharp in terms of doing that because they were able to see right through his paperwork that, in fact, that he had defrauded these people. And, he, you know, end up, you know, ironically, you know, he did admit. That he he had a he had an agreement with uh, the Orange Minute's son, um, what's his, what's his name, um, Donald Jr. Donald Donald Trump Jr. He had agreement with him that uh, when they raised the funds, he would get a million off 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 the top. So he did admit that much. So the mere fact that he admitted that in fact that um, they were conspiring in terms of you know trying to get some funds, uh, only raises the legitimacy in terms of perhaps that the motivation all along was really all about you know um, defrauding those people in terms of taking their money. But like I said, Brother Africa, I love it. I, I really love it because these people greed, their avarice, uh, their lack of uh, a moral compass, I mean, it's, 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 it's off the chart. And so, therefore, they'll do anything in terms of pursuit of wealth. 
And so anytime your perception is, or anytime your, your value system is that nothing matters in life but money, then it's nothing that you won't do. So I'm glad that he, he ripped off the wealthy. I'm glad he ripped them off uh, because, <clears throat> because it underscores just the level of depravity that exists in society. And if we're sincere in terms of moving forward in society, then we, to the extent that we manifest that same kind of depravity in our thinking, we have to get rid of that kind of thinking in our own minds. So I'm glad that I'm glad he got caught. But as, your, as to your question, whether or not he's going to be uh, convicted, probably not. Probably not. He probably won't be convicted. He'll get some very talented lawyers, you know, who would confuse the the the, the, the jury, and uh, you know, and he'll he'll be acquitted. But again, at least uh, him being him being indicted raises raises some real some red flags in terms of the nature of corruption in American society. What's your take on it, Brother Moses? Yeah, I'm 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 still learning about this. Um, um, I, I I didn't even know they were raising money for a wall. I mean, I'm not in the private sector anyway, um, and so I'm learning. Um, and so obviously there's some kind of um, that shows that they um, were pocketing the money. Uh, uh, else there wouldn't be there, there was no evidence there wouldn't be any indictment so um I'm not shocked or anything um uh, I heard a long time ago a job ain't nothing but a front you gotta rob and steal to get ahead and um and uh it seems that seems that the president you know and his cronies you know they're they're still doing what they do. Uh, thank you. You know, Panthers, I find amazing how they mix this whole concept of private and public money to do whatever they want to do in their interest. Now, if this wall was a wall that really comes under, you know, the responsibility of the government, you know, why would they allow private investors or private individuals to participate in a fairly funny, you know, task or project and co-mingling these two entities. Is that lens or create the climate for, you know, this, this is for a basis of corruption and misappropriation of funds? You have a response to that? I think it does. Because <clears throat> usually any... Um... Any fundraising effort done by uh, d- 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 done by a private group usually has to be kept uh, 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 kept se- uh, separate from government money, uh, especially uh, if they're raising money, uh, you know, for a particular cause or whatever. That uh, that that money that that's raised from individuals has to be accounted for, just like money. That's uh, government money has to be accounted for, or, or, or supposed to be anyway. Um, but when it's commingled like that, it creates uh, it creates a lack of accountability for where the funds are coming from. And uh, and the thing about it though, and and it shows the waste, wastefulness of uh, 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 you know of uh, resources. Because the uh, the wall would, would not do what it's intended to do, which is to keep 
you know, the indigenous, uh, the indigenous people of the South, you know, out of the U.S. Okay. Brother Aki, you like to respond? Yeah, you're absolutely correct, Brother Africa. Um, there, it, there is something about it that's, that's extremely inappropriate. In fact, one of the reasons why they hate uh, the U.S. hate countries like Cuba and China is because that kind of corruption would not be condoned. Let's, let's be very clear. Let's be very clear on, on something. This whole private, you know, whole, you know, uh, uh, public money, uh, non- private money nonsense, is no more than a, than, than a, than a shield. Uh, with a so-called, well, excuse me, this whole private-public, you know, uh, interconnection uh, in terms of financing is it's, it's merely a, a cover in terms of corruption. When we think about, for instance, lobbying in terms of, you know, we have private money, you know, and, you know, we have, you know, uh, you know, we have private money influencing governmental policy. It's nothing no more than corruption. So the mere fact that, you know, that you have a situation where private individuals actually come together and raise funds for something which supposed to be a, a governmental project. It seems to me that if you're talking about democracy, certainly one of the first things you have to do is you have to, in fact, if you're going to build that wall, then it has to be voted upon and it has to be approved in terms of doing that because that wall doesn't simply impact um, the, the immigrants, potential immigrants who will come into the U.S., but it also impacts U.S. in terms of the ability to carry out its business in terms of relationship with, with, with uh, Mexico and the rest of Central and South America. So clearly, this is this is this is no more than a covering for corruption, brother Africa. And that's pure and simple. And 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 when and, and when political science talk about the level of corruption that is condoned, you know, in the context of capitalist society, uh, it, it's it's it, I mean, it's it's very 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 clear. It's very clear that that is in fact the reality in terms of because everything we do is geared toward corruption. It's all about corruption. And what is corruption all about? It's all about the attainment of money. Everything comes down to money. So then, so therefore, we understand that one hand washes the other. So if corruption can be facilitated by access to money, then corruption is allowed. It's very, very simple. And so nobody should be surprised, you know, until these kind of these kind of things taking place. And so Steve Bannon understood fully well, you know, that uh, under the guise of you know working with the with the with the, uh, with, the with, with, with the with the Trump administration in terms of getting his wall bill, he understood that he had cover. And so therefore, he was free to rip those people off in terms of the funds. Because his, he anticipated nobody will come after him simply because you know he was in effect in effect in the cahoots with the Trump administration vis a vis uh, Trump's son Donald Trump Jr. So clearly, brother, after you're absolutely correct, it's all about corruption, pure and simple. Okay, we got this caller on the line. We're gonna bring this caller, even though he has a number block, but we're gonna tr- bring him in or her in. Caller, welcome to Africa on Move. Your question. Go comments. Call them one one one. Yeah, yeah. Hotel Africa. Uh, I didn't know my. Hotel Africa. How you doing? Ooh, I know a blog. I I got something I want to say, but I, I'm not. I'm trying to figure out this banning case. But maybe you can extrapolate where I'm coming from. The Tenth Amendment. The Tenth Amendment says the powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, are reserved to the states respectfully, or to the people. So anything that's not in the Constitution. Automatic goes to the people. Well, a few years back, I don't know how long, I would say about six, seven years, they passed some laws that made these corporations part of the people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Part of the people. So yeah. you start talking about who's going to fund the wall, whether it's the government or private citizens, right? You know, if 
if they made them, I try to find online. If they made them the same, gave them the same rights as people, then um, that might be a loophole how people can get out of these certain things. They, they know what they're doing. I'm more concerned about conviction. So when they pick somebody up, it's not conviction. It don't. That don't phase me because it, it, they got all kinds of loopholes to get around being convicted. That's all I got to add to this. Yeah, here you call. I think what you're talking about. I think they did about one or more than what, maybe two, three years ago, when the court made a decision of using the entity of the corporation and gave it the rights to function as an individual. It was, well, I see something right here. It says, yeah. it says the court said the corporations had the same rights on the Fourth Amendment as people did. The Fourth Amendment protects citizens from state actions. It also affords citizens equal protection. So it could be an instance where we're looking at Bannon or how he operated, that he operated as, if he operated as part of a corporation, right? If they got the same rights as citizens, right, what's the difference between, between you and I getting donations from people and a corporation getting donations from you? I guess that's what I'm trying to get at. That's yeah. it. Maybe I'll come yeah. up with that. Maybe you can extrapolate from that. That's that's all. I'll just finish yeah. the program. Yeah. Well, you're talking about the, the Citizens United ruling in which the conservative Supreme Court ruled that the, 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 that money is, is equated with the right of speech. So we're fundamentally talking about something a little bit different in terms of the kind of corruption Steve Bannon engaged in. So what they're simply talking about, that corporations being people, they're saying that corporations, you know, said the same right in terms of the bill, in terms of uh, articulating its needs and interests as any human being would have. And so you understand, I, I agree with Joe heartily. This notion that somehow that some entity can be, be a, 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 should be affiliated with, with uh, human rights uh, is something that, that's, that's, that's off the chart. But keep in mind, earlier I talked about, you know, the whole concept in terms of originalism, and you talk about the Constitution. Now, the original, originalism says the Constitution is very, very simple. It gives the power to a small minority of white, wealthy individuals. That's what it says. That society should be organized around the interests of the small, elite, white, property-owning, male, white population. That's what it says. And so, therefore, the, the whole notion in terms of, of originalism is that, so when you say that the, the corporations have the right to speak, uh, in terms of just as the human beings have the right to speak, and that they can use their money in terms of money is equated with speech, then what he's saying is that if they didn't do that, then they deny these wealthy white people who own these corporations the right to articulate their, their, their self-interest. And so, therefore, in their mind, they see the corporation as on par with, with, with human rights as it relates to human, in terms of human beings' the right to expression. So clearly, but but Bannon case is a different different thing. I don't think he qualifies he qualifies as a corporation. I think at some point he he probably was. I I, I would imagine that um, you know that he probably was incorporated. I mean that little organization. But rather than that little corporation rise to the level of a corporation is, is questionable. Of course, I do understand in terms of how these these these, these state corporations determine corporations different from state to state, and I do understand that. But I, I seriously doubt in terms of fundraising as a corporation would stand legally. But then again, brother, understanding the way things work, given the implicit co- uh, corruption that exists in the society, who would be surprised if some, 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 some judge said, well, you know what? Well, what he did was, in fact, um, the equivalent of free speech. And so, therefore, he's protected, you know, under, under uh, the sort of Citizens United ruling. It's absurd. But clearly, you know, as far as I'm concerned, there's a real distinction between 
you know, uh, using, you know, uh, Citizens United as a defense and, um, and, 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 and justify, you know, the kind of um, wholesale corruption and defraud, fraud that Steve Bannon engaged in. Appreciate it. Amazing. One other narrative I'd like to get your position on, and also like to have my call to stay on and participate on this discussion. Everyone knew that this country is not prepared to deal with students going back to school. Everyone knew that if you if you take a group of young students from 18 to 21. Put them in an environment by themselves and they're not going to be supervised. They're going to get together and have parties. But y'all make up this 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 this, this phenomenal issue. <coughs> Excuse me, that is going on on these college campuses. I think your uh, I think your observation is correct, Brother Africa. Uh, you know, um, you know that the uh, you know uh, uh, young people have a propensity to socialize, especially in, in in an unsupervised environment, and I think that's what, and I think that's the major reason why you know, uh, in some cases, uh, uh, the pandemic is getting worse, because uh, uh, let's see, you're talking about. Uh, you know, a lot of people that have been cooped up and confined, uh, you know, for several months, and uh, and uh, you know, and uh, uh, and had very limited social interaction, and so when that opportunity presents itself, uh, people tend to be unrestrained, and they don't uh, the, uh, the, uh, they, they 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 don't know, uh, you know how uh, you know how to handle it. And uh, and uh, you know some people just go, go go very wild because of that. Anyone else want to take a stab at that? Yeah, I add to it. I add to it. Um, young people under 18 years old have the same rights as adults. Their rights are dormant until they get to reach the age of majority where they responsible responsible. So when you you said college students eighteen years or older, then that this thing will back off to you eighteen. You can make decisions on your own. Now if you had you had said under eighteen, why the state of permitted, then probably that would be a I think a better question. But you eighteen years old in college, right? Yes, they could do certain things. They could make mistakes, but the state's um, position is once you eighteen, our hands are off. You make those decisions on your own, whether it's for your benefit or not. I'm more concerned about the ones under 18. Do you think the government should get involved in a situation like that? And I don't even know if those who are under 18 are going back to school. Now, I don't know. You, 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 you did a scenario with college students, but I don't know if the government allowing those under 18 to go back to school or not because I haven't been following the news. Yeah, yeah they have many schools. They have opened up with students going back, and they are catching these um, viruses and, you know, they're closing right back up, but everyone knew before then that this country is just not ready to go back to school as normal. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. 
well, part of a piece of the problem is that the the response of this country to the to the pandemic has been very uh, piecemeal and sort of a patchwork approach, and uh, you know, and different and and different states were doing different things as far as uh, trying to trying to contain uh, you know the uh, uh, you know the virus. But it wasn't a uniform response like you saw in most other countries of the world. At least there was some uniformity to the response, and there was uh, and and there was uh, you know preparation for for the short and intermediate term, which is lacking inside the U.S. And I think that's why uh, the situation we're, uh, we're, we're you know we're seeing all over the place. It's happening now because of the disorganization of the society. You know, you know the the real irony, Brother Africa, is that you know uh, if if the U.S. government really wanted to open the schools, they could create avenues by which they could open up the schools and at the same to- same token safeguard the populace in terms of this particular virus if they really wanted to. The problem is this. In order for them to do two things simultaneously in terms of both opening schools and protecting protecting the community at large, they have to spend money. The ruling class position is very, very clear on that point. They're not going to spend any money. And so, therefore, anything that calls for expenditures and they call for spending more money, they're not going to do. Now, don't confuse this whole stimulus, stimulus spending in terms of what I'm talking about. Now, stimulus has everything to do in terms of benefiting the wealthy. They're not doing that because they give a damn about poor people or they give a damn about the economy. They're doing it because they benefit from it directly. But they don't see any real tangible benefits in terms of opening up a clean situation in which people can actually go to school and safeguard the community. Stop and think about it. you got all these large facilities, stadiums, and so forth that you could convert. You could, you could even bring in Cuban doctors to assist you. You could open up in terms of, if, instance, if a student come down with, with COVID-19, you could evacuate the student, no, no problem. Every time a student comes, become, you know, uh, is infected with COVID-19, you can evacuate them and, and, and treat them. No problem at all. The only problem, it costs money. And what they're saying to you is that they're not willing to pay the money. So, if, so if, if you think for one second these trillionaires or these billionaires are on board in terms of investing, investing in these people in this country, then think again. So then we totally mis- misunderstand the mindset in terms of what it is to be a capitalist. It's, it's, capitalism has no concern in terms of humanity. That is a word that's very, very subjective, and when you talk about humanity, we ask you, what the hell are you talking about, humanity? What does that mean? And so this is the fundamental, so this is the fundamental problem that we're confronted with. So they can do both simultaneously, but the problem is that it's going to cost money. And certainly the orange minister, the current administration, is definitely not interested in terms of, you know, uh, taking money out of their pockets. He's more concerned with putting money in the wealthiest pockets. So clearly, you know, you could achieve both. So I don't I don't see a fundamental conflict, but the only problem is that, like I said, you got a, you got uh, very wealthy people who are not necessarily vested in the interests of society, and so therefore they're not going to spend a dime in terms of this problem. So as a consequence, we have this piecemeal approach in terms of combating COVID-19. So while in China they over there in the beaches having a good time, we over here in America looking at each other looking at each other suspiciously, like they might infect like we might infect one another. So. Clearly, Brother Africa is, you know, it all boils down in terms of the value systems of the society. We'd like to welcome our next new caller who just joined us. We're talking about 
We're discussing in this segment what's going on in your world community. So we're going to bring you in, Carla, and we welcome you to Africa on the Move, Carla. Yes, your question Hello. or comment, Carla. Hi, yes, thank you for taking my call. I, I, I appreciate it. By the way, I want to commend you guys for having a block talk program where the quality is good and you don't play music in the background and you take calls very fast. Not all programs do that, so thank you for doing these things. It shows a good level of production values and um, that you guys are really on top of your things. Thank you, Carlo. You're welcome. So, okay. You're welcome. Okay, so on the topic, uh, I just tuned in, so I, w- I think I might have a disagreement, but I want to verify. You guys were earlier bringing up about um, um, young adults making decisions if they're 18, under 18, things like that. Just to make sure, uh, was your opinion that they should uh, be? No, Carla, we were discussing We were discussing the reason for now now of students going back to school, you know, students going back to universities between the ages of 18 and 21, you know, let students go back. And, you know, many, some of these campuses, like in North Carolina, Ohio State, um, they were unsupervised. And as a result of it, many of them, some of them got sick in campuses, and they are closing back down. And we're also talking about the recent decision. Uh, um, everyone know that this country is not set up to bring young students back into the classroom, but many um, districts and states have done this. And we want to oh, know okay. what, do you think of, what do you think about the response of many who have oh, done okay. it and then they have to shut back up. So, okay, so we really so you don't know, know those issues. Yeah. So your response, Carlo. Okay. Sure, sure. So you were not having that topic about who can make a decision, who cannot, how old you have to be, things like that. No, no, no. Okay, okay. Yeah, on that note, on, on this topic then, um, you know, I'm very surprised at how people are not taking this seriously. Um, this whole thing about with the pandemic, or whatever the word is, um, how people just believe whatever they want and they don't go by the facts and science. Um, I'm really surprised, especially in a country like America, where you think people would be more educated and brighter compared to other nations that don't have access to internet and books and things like that, you know? And yet, even with the facts, the medical world and the science world telling people coronavirus is here, it's still dangerous. The numbers are going up, and people don't take this seriously, and they do all sorts of ridiculous things. And some of them think it's a hoax, or they think it's not that serious, or they don't trust the government, they trust the medical world. Um, I'm just surprised that even in 2020, there are lots of people who are doing these kind of things. Okay, Carla, stay on the line, and I'll let you dialogue with our analysts for today. Um, Carla, y'all hear our Carla? His perspective yes. on the lack of trust, his, his respect on his perception of America being, you know, well-educated and not using science or being scientific in terms of, you know, making decisions concerning his pandemic, et cetera. Y'all heard his response. How would y'all respond back to him? Well, I think... Let's take it. Let's go, Anthony. I'll go start off with Anthony. Go ahead, Anthony. Yeah. Uh, I would uh, take a look at the political leadership of this uh, country. Uh, they do not seem to, uh, you know, to respect uh, the analysis of uh, the, of the nation's uh, scientists. And uh, and uh, and the thing about it, though, and one of the, the major problems is there is a lack of a uniform response. 
uh, diseases or other natural phenomena do not respect political boundaries. That's true. And people who have any scientific training have have known that for years. But yet, uh, yet people seem to seem to think that what goes down in say New York or New Jersey will not have any impact on say uh, Maryland or Virginia, et cetera. And so you don't. So you. So you, there's a lack of uh, a uniform approach. Uh, you might, uh, people might recall when this pandemic broke out in the U.S., there were various different units of government uh, scrambling for safety equipment mm-hmm. because there was none stockpiled. And the mm-hmm. reason there was none stockpiled, not because of the lack of technology to make it, but it is not profitable for corporations uh, to stockpile Material that might not be used, that 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 that, that has no immediate use, or that can be sold right away. So I think that's a piece of the problem. The political leadership kind of like set the tone for people not to take it as seriously as they should, or to not you know uh, have a, a uniform response. Now I have a few, few questions though. How much time do I have just to make sure so I can? Uh, we, um, have, uh, we got some time, Carla. We got some okay. time. Go ahead. Thank you. A few questions. Uh, first question. Um, you're right about the political leaders, some, how they're acting. At the end of the day, people are voting for these people. And I've been listening to AM Conservative Republican Radio for many years. And over the years, I've heard people say, we need to take back our country. Um, they blame the left for so much. And we need conservatives in there. And they keep voting for people who are not conservatives. So basically it seems like they just chain themselves to the Republican side and or they put their party over their nation. And I'm trying to figure out why don't more people on the left use this argument against the right where they, where they go, you guys contradict yourselves, you're hypocrites, you're voting for people who don't have your values, and you're just putting your party over your nation. My response. Want me to go? Yeah, go ahead. Please, please, yeah, please. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's here's the thing. Those things that you articulated, Carla, uh, you know, we, we, we have been animate in terms of conveying that, you know, to, to those on the right. The, pre- the, the problem is one of receptability. Uh, well, the people are receptive to what you have to say is a different ballgame. You can't compel anybody to accept anything. Even besides that, it's just a question of terms of engaging in discourse. becomes extremely in- difficult. People on the right tend not to want to have engaged in discourse with people on the left, and, for, and rightfully so, because one of the things that, and this is, not to, this is not to exaggerate, but certainly people on the left tend to at least be aware of what the issues are and to be able to articulate what those issues are in terms of their impact on society. Whereas the right come from more and more individualistic perspective in terms of, you know, you know, how life should be organized and how they see the world. So therefore there's no real incentive for the right to even listen to what the left had to say. Now we have right wingers who listen to this program all the time, but they won't even call and engage in kind of discourse into, around around discussion. Particularly when they're convinced that you understand what you're talking about. They're not going to do that. And so the question becomes, how do you compel someone to engage in discourse when they're not willing to do so? So this is the fundamental problem that we have. So you have outlets all the time that are telling the right, listen, guys, 
you you know listen you you, you what you're doing is is um is um uh in opposition to your own interests your own self interest why would you continue to do that think about it they okay. don't, this now, message doesn't resonate with the right they don't hear that they don't hear that they think that you're somehow foolish you're just a left wing idiot and you know and so therefore you just got uh, got a hate of, <laughs> of hatred of everything I so clearly, right. uh, I, I agree with you in principle, but the reality is that you can't compel anybody to engage in discourse if they're not prone to do so. Okay. Now, I have to, I have to find out something here. Um, I'm not going to change topics. I'm going to keep it on this topic. It's related, but I want to find out consistency. I'm one of those people who believes in be consistent. So if you go by religion, be consistent. If you go by religion and science, be consistent. If you go by laws, be consistent. Don't have hypocrisy because to be a fair human being – or one of the ways to be fair, is to be equally consistent for everyone. Now, when I, when I came to your program, here's what I've gotten from you guys. You guys are going by science. You guys are going by facts. You guys yourselves are against hypocrisy. And you acknowledge that many people on the right, not all of them, but many of them are not willing to engage on the topics. Before I ask my question, have I, have I um, put it the correct way about you guys? That so far is fair. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Now here's a question for you. I want to find out if you guys are going to engage, ignore science, be consistent, and go by the facts. I'm not changing the topic. I just want to find out if you're consistent. Is there anywhere in science, anywhere in science, um, that tells people that uh, girls become women when they're 18? No. Oh, I hope. I see where you're going no. with this. I see where you're going. Yeah, that's where you, I see where he's going with this. Now, yeah. I, 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 where you're going. I, I kind of agree where you're going with this, right? In this society, it says you're a man and a woman at 18. But biologically, you can have a child at 12 and 13 years old. The problem is, because a child may ask, this way, if I'm not ready to have a child, why is my body doing this, going through this process, right? Yes. Biologically, you would be a man or a woman at 13, 14 years. Some societies at 13 years old, they got a farm, they got a job, they take care of family. The problem right. was, is over here, right, we've been crippled. So at 18 years old over here, you're actually a boy. Matter of fact, you got 30, 35-year-old boys in the United States, 50-year-old boys in the United States. So biologically, yes, we are men <laughs> and women at a certain age, but it's society... You can't compare the society. Now, you got, if you compare the society to other societies, like African nations and Asian nations, right, you would say, yes, they are a man or a woman at 13, 14, 15 years old, but not over here. But it's actually, that's here. not so true. So 18 uh, the is law, a legal the, definition the of manhood, which I'm pretty much with you. I'm, I'm against that. It's a legal definition of manhood, but you and I know that 18 years old, you're really not a man. I agree. No, I agree. Like you said, there are people older than 18 who are not mature at all. I think that was your point, and you're right. Um, but you don't have to go back down to 12 and 13. There's a certain range. You don't have to go back to the borderline. There's a certain age where you know that guy is physically a man, mentally a man. You can tell he's a man. He's not a child. And what they've done in America is they've punished human beings and ruined their lives and put them in jail and ruined their reputation because they decided in this state it's 18, in this state it's 17, in this state it's 16 – they're not going by science. The reason I brought this up is because if you guys go by science and you go by facts and you are against hypocrisy and you want people to engage on things, 
I wanted to find out if you were going to be consistent and do all that. It seems like one of you are on my side, uh, but what about the other two people? Or do you agree with me or disagree with me then? Um, Ashley, I would add that um, that is a complex uh, issue, mainly because, uh, let's see, uh, in um, biology, does uh, is not the strict determiner of of adulthood among human beings. Is also is also uh, uh, you know it's also social. There's also a social and cultural aspect uh, to uh, uh, associate it with, uh, w- w- with whether one is considered an adult or not. Well, should culture and uh, so it's co- in the context of human beings, it's more complicated than it is among uh, 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 you know um, uh, among other li- uh, living beings on the planet. Well, now if there was a law that told you that you could you are not an adult until you're 21. And some cultures said 20, and some said 19, some said 18. That wouldn't make it justified to punish people and put them in jail because a culture dictates something. Culture should not dictate facts and morality, at least not always, maybe sometimes, but not in this case. But, Carlo, here's the thing. Here's the thing. You have to incorporate legality. And the question of science is fine. If something is consistent, then you know it's science. Right. Uh, this question around age, there's no question about it. Uh, maturity is a very subjective term. Nobody can really define precisely what it is, just like intelligence. You can't define exactly what it is. You know, sure. so, so you're absolutely correct in terms of, you know, in terms of you know, uh, uh, you know, science should be applied. But the reality is that science is often not applied. I think also, I think one of the things is that we, you know, when we talk about the question in terms of legalities, we have to understand that, you know, it's, you know like, like, like in a society – there have to be rules and regulations in terms of what you can do and what you can't do. There has to be. Uh, and so in, in, the, in the context of legality, then certain kinds of uh, ideas have to be articulated plainly for people to understand it. This is the only way to ensure some kind of longevity in terms of that particular society because without that legality, then the potential for people to do his or her own thing becomes immense, which means that ultimately you don't have society at all. You just have people uh, brutalizing and killing and destroying one another across the board. So clearly okay. there's a distinction between legality and science, and so I, mm-hmm. I, I, I hear what you're saying, but I, I, I just caution you that to understand, you know, that not to confuse the two in terms of science and legality and understand that all societies have to have some sense of legality in terms of just to operate. So I, I'm Again, not close with that. But, <clears throat> but there's, a couple of, there's a couple of things, though. When they have the law, whatever the law is, any normal society will say apply the law equally and fairly to every human being all the time. Don't pick and choose who should go to jail, who should not, depending on the state and things like that. So, for example, you and I would all agree, everyone in here would agree, as long as you're a normal person, that nobody would, should have sex with a child who's in elementary school. It's morally wrong. It's disgusting. It's rape. It's actually it's a horrible thing. But a six-year-old would not be the same as a 17-year-old. So if, if one state tells you, yeah, you can have sex with a 17-year-old, and another state tells you, no, you can't do that, they are punishing people based on their own arbitrary thing that they made up. They're not going by facts, and they're not being fair. Uh, but this... Carlos, let me just respond. Somebody else has something to say? Go right oh, ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Please. please, go ahead. Go ahead. Carlos, 
in, 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 in the issue that you're raising, you must. I'm, I'm not in agreement with you when you're saying they're not using science. I think science is being used. When society sit down and look at itself and find out certain things about human beings and human behavior, they make general, certain general, um, gen, uh, generalizations. They do draw some concrete facts. And they must come up with some norms and standards of how one will analyze, how one would make decisions, how one would interact. So when you're talking about looking at how human beings interact, there are some things they may notice. At this age level, we realize human beings begin to function and act as composite. At this age level, we know they have acquired another, a certain sense of experiences. So in order to be set some kind of standard, for for how we will interact with all of us, you can come up with general ages that you can classify as, though at this stage, this is how we want to apply it, this is how we see ourselves, and this will be a general norm that we will use to function by. Okay, so let me ask you, I have to ask you something now. You, as a minority in this country, I don't know your ethnicity, I assume you're a minority, you know, in the history of America and the and world, why would you, why would you assume that I'm a minority just based on my voice? How you arrive no, no, at that? No, 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 I said I don't know for sure. I don't know. I just, I, I don't know. But why would you assume? Um, I just joke with you. You say you assume I'm a minority. Uh, you have, you have I tell you, the best way you describe me and you can make your point, just joking. Okay. I'm non-white. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I'm non-white. That's what I That's, so my assumption was correct. Um, so what, what I was going to tell you, though, is as a minority, as a non-white person, you, you should know that in America and in the world, there have been tons and tons of cultural norms that society decided was normal, and it was not justified. And that's my point to you is that, number one, it's not justified, and number two, whatever you wh- – wh- one thing, please. Whatever you think is the norm, whatever you think is the law, should be – number should be – just be consistent and fair. Don't tell me it's okay in this culture, it's okay in this state, it's okay in this number, but then somewhere else it's not okay because you're, you're picking and choosing who to punish. Can I ask Paula a question? Sure, please. Yes. So based on what you just said now, do you believe we should have laws? Of course. All right, so we are on the same page. We believe there should be, be laws, right? But the laws that they have, right, are, are unfair, pretty much so, pretty much not fair. Because we are pretty much saying the same thing, right? What I said earlier, and, and, and other guys said the same thing. Let's say we go with science, right? But still, you got 12-year-old on the left side and 12-year-old on the right side. One might be more mature than the other one. That's the other one just going to act, go to the street and do stuff that harmful to themselves. Uh, so you got to have a, a law. That's what you talk about. Pro- laws be applied, should be applied, you know, correct across the board. Yeah, but there's a little problem there. When you go to a borderline number like 11, 12, 13, this is when biologically children are becoming adults. There's a, there's a gray area. So that is depending case by case. But once you reach a certain age, like, for example, 17, 18, 20, 21, you're an adult. You're physically an adult, mentally an adult. You might not be as mature and experienced as someone else, but not all older people are as smart as younger people and vice versa. And my point to everyone here is 
we're not debating 12-year-olds and 13-year-olds because that's a borderline area. What I'm making the point is that there's no such thing as people magically becoming adults at 18, and even if you believe that, just be consistent. Make it 18 all over America. Don't tell me this person who's a child can have a job, drive a car, be a supermodel, and I can give you more examples, but you get the point. They're, they're punishing innocent people, and they're not even being consistent with the law. They're not being fair. They're just picking and choosing whatever they like. All right, Carla, we'll be back to you. Thank you. Let me back to something. Where are yeah. you calling from, Carla? Where I'm, calling calling from from? The greatest, I'm calling from the greatest state in America, California, the greatest city in America, Los Angeles. <laughs> okay. You certainly like to thank you. Uh, thank you for your participation. Sure. Before you go, uh, before you go, please, uh, I want to thank you guys for giving me a chance. You guys were very fair. I wish you'd give me more time because I want to get more into detail, but I understand if you want to move on. In case you ever want to go I, in my place. Uh, I'll I tell you what you can do. If you can email us and you'd like to be a guest on our show, we will invite you back one day where you can be a guest and you can raise issues of your concerns and we can deal with it. Let me give you an email. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Okay, email AfricaOnTheMove2 at gmail.com. AfricaOnTheMove2? At gmail.com, yeah. Okay, and, and that's the number two? That's the number two. Okay, AfricaOnTheMove2 at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, thank you very much. Just so you guys know, in case you're wondering who I am, um, I have a very popular page on YouTube where I have over 23 million hits. And you guys are also welcome on my program. I like the way you guys do your program. Um, you guys and were Carla. very nice and very respectful. Uh, stay safe. Yeah, please, go ahead. Yeah, and Carla, Carla, hello? Yeah, yeah Carla. I'm here. Go ahead, please. please go ahead. Write this email down also. If you have a problem with that count, email us at African Awareness Association. Africa Awareness Association? African Awareness Association 1 at Gmail. Okay, let me make sure I don't mix these up. Um, I'm going to separate these emails. Can you give me both emails again, please, slowly, just so I can separate them? Africa on the, Africa on the move. Africa on the move. Africa on the move? Yeah, Africa on the move. I believe Africa on the move one. Africa on the move one? Yeah. So it, it, it At gmail.com. Okay, I thought it was two, so it's one. Okay. Africa on no, the no. move one at, at gmail dot com. Okay, well, wasn't there another one with the number two in it? <laughs> you said two. Actually. I told you two the first time. Put Africa Africa on the move should number two. We got two three different emails. Okay, Africa on the move okay. two at gmail dot com. Okay. Okay. two. Okay, so Af- so it is two. Africa on yeah. the move two at gmail dot com. And what's the other one then? Thank you, by Africa the way. Africa Awareness mm-hmm. Association one at gmail dot com. All spelled together. African Awareness Association one at gmail dot com. Yeah, awareness, not wellness. Awareness. Okay. Awareness. Africa awareness. Yeah, right. Africa Awareness Association one at gmail dot com. Um, okay. And then um, when do when do you guys normally go on? Do you have a schedule or no? We come on every Sunday from seven to nine p.m. Eastern time, U.S. Okay. Okay. No, I guess that's that's pretty much everything then. Uh, thank you very much, guys. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, God bless. I uh, have a good one. Thank you. You too. Hi, everybody. Hi, panelists. What we're going to do right now, let's, um, we're going to take a revolutionary culture break, and when we come back, let's go into our discussion of our theme tonight. 
issues that you need to know. We will discuss that when we come back, and you are listening to Africa on the Moon. Stop, 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 stop,
Crazy lights on the microphone Bum rushing and pushing Snatching and taxing I can't understand why brothers don't be maxing There's only one disco They'll close one more You ain't guarding the door So what you got a gun for? Do you rob the rich and give to the poor? Yo, daddy-o Fool a bit of more Sister straight from the mouth Oh, why? And daddy-o Do a crime End up in jail And gotta go Cause you could do crime and get paid today And tomorrow you're behind bars in the worst way Far from your family Cause you're locked away Now tell me Do you really think crime pays? You talking all that jazz It's time to stand together in a unity Cause if not, then you're with Soon to be self-destroyed, unemployed C-Rack will be lost without a trace Or a clue, but what to do Is stop the violence and kick the science Down the road that we call eternity Where knowledge is forming You learn to be self-sufficient, independent To teach the each is what rap intended But society wants to invade So do not walk this path that they laid it Came from a lawmaker. 
out of New York. Her name was Lori A. Combo. She was the majority leader of New York and City Council, the 35th District. She wrote a letter or appeal to the public concerning this pandemic and how it's affecting communities and non-white. And I would like my panelists to sort of engage with me in terms of when you read this letter, how did you see Sister Laurie as being a one who worked in the political arena, many would probably say a politician, she's on the city council. How would you view her based upon her expression of currently what is going on in the 35th district as well as throughout the country? Brother Anthony, you take the lead first. Sure. Um, she comes across as uh, as a progressive uh, uh, politician, and uh, I found I found that a lot of the observations she made in her letter are very true. And I think uh, I think what the COVID nineteen pandemic has done is uh, magnify the contradictions in uh, inside capitalism, which um, you know Africans and other oppressed people have been dealing with for centuries. And uh it and it's just intensified. And uh and that's because uh the the uh there are options that um uh that you know a lot uh that wealthier people have for in terms of um you know maintaining their incomes that are not open to most Africans. And she gave some interesting st- statistics within New York City. She pointed out that 75% of all frontline workers are people of color, including 82% of cleaning service employees. More than 40% of transit employees are black, while over 60% of cleaning workers are Hispanics, according to data released by the controller's office. The truth of the matter is we have been on the front lines for centuries, and now in the midst of this pandemic, we are experiencing this proportionate rates of infection and death but where are the stats and uh, and you know and uh and that's the problem and uh, she gives an, another example of chicago uh it, which accounts for less than a third of the Af- uh, a third of the population is african but there's 72% of virus related fatalities and um and uh you know and uh, and you know she com- uh she complains about the uh the the lack of the results of the testing that is taking place and question whether or not that testing is adequate Brother Hackey, she don't seem to be viewed or her position taken is seen not to be the 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 majority when you look at politicians around this country as it relates to the pandemic, particularly as it relates to uh, people of non-whiteness. Your response, how did you, um, how did you view, view her letter when you read it? Yeah, I, I got to tell you, uh, I was very impressed. Uh, you know, she's definitely speaking truth to power. Uh, and the reality is that when you speak truth to power, and as a politician, certainly you have to have a constituent behind you that support you. 
So I'm curious as to what part of New York she represents, because clearly you got a lot of progressive communities in New York, and so therefore it's much easier for you know the political leadership of that community to to freely articulate what the issues are. So um so you we we definitely have to give a shout out in terms of her con- constituents who make it possible for her to actually articulate what it is uh, what she perceives as a problem. Uh, but yeah, but what she's saying in, in the letter was absolutely absolutely correct, and she talked about disparity not only in terms of treatment but the impact in terms of COVID-19 on, 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 on people of color or working-class people generally. So she has a very, very good point. And the question is that implicit in what she's saying is that, you know, why the response, why the lack of response from those positions of power, knowing that this is an issue. Now, people in positions of power have been tickling this disparity in terms of, in terms of impact of the COVID virus for a long, long time, but have failed to implement any plan to address this fundamental disparity in terms of the, the disproportionate number of uh, people of color who were impacted by COVID-19. So I think that her letter is very spot on. And, uh, I, you know, listen, uh, yes, I, I would shake her sister's hand if, you know, I was close to her because what she did was unprecedented. And uh, if we had more politicians like her, more principled individuals, uh, then we actually could actually make some headway in terms of the uh, situation in society. But she is definitely a minority uh, in terms of politicians, uh, because most politicians, when they are articulated to, particularly when they feel like it might endanger their their ability or their opportunity to make some funds on the side. So I encourage the sister wholeheartedly and support her across the board. Brother Moses, do you have a take on this? Yes, um, I thought it was interesting. uh, as part of it, she says, well, I'm here to tell you that I will never let our suffering be silenced. I will keep advocating for policy and legislation that helps flatten the curve on COVID-19 infections as well as negative policy impact across racial lands. You know, she was saying, it's my hope that soon our city will be able to produce quantitative data like they are in Chicago. She being in New York, um, um, saying that basically the data, the demographics are not there um, in terms of her ability to analyze what's going on. And um, so, you know, it was, it was a conscious effort to uh, raise political consciousness about what's going on and the issues, and she did a good job. Thank you. And to our guest today, Please want to listen to this conversation. Would you like to contribute anything? I have a radio article. Okay. All right, let's move forward. Um, let's go to our next article. Titles Masonic Concept of Distributor Antenna Files Aimed to Transforming Tactical Communication. That's the subtopic, but actually the topic is long-range communication without large, power-hungry antennas. It's coming from RNDMC. And in the article, it talks about really how to use technology for better communication, particularly when you're going behind the enemy line and being able to be more deceptive in terms of your communication. One of the things, panelists, I think we need to look at this point in time when we're talking about what's going on and how to resist. we got to figure out where is our scientific community, develop our own scientific community, particularly in the field of technology, to counteract the very technologies that they are developing. 
Brother Hackey, they are developing, they are talking about developing, developing technologies where they can communicate long distance where it be cheaper and less notable. What did you take from this article? Because it's, it's the kind of technology that not only will they use against people outside the country, I can see them still use this, this kind of technology on the people inside. So your response to that, to this new form of technology, how they no longer will need these big uh, antennas, but they can have very small antennas, they can put them in the well, they can even put them on people, and they can communicate with one another. How do you see that impacting future wars, future battles, and this whole question of monitoring and observing people? Yeah, well, I, I think that, uh, you know, one thing we, we, we talk about a lot, you know, after on the move, we talk about in terms of the precarious nature of the system. And, and in fact, uh, the individuals, those, the capitalists understand the implicit dangers in terms of a, a collapse of the system. So, therefore, they are eager, uh, overzealous to, to ensure to the best ability to, to, to preserve the system as long as they possibly can. And because there's because of the precarious nature of the situation that the capitalists find themselves in, technology is key, and particularly communications. And so you're right. So historically, when you talk about using, you know, uh, big antennas and amplifier, uh, you know, uh, yes, clearly uh, it makes it very difficult in terms of disguise in terms of that communication. And so if there is effectively a fight, let's say they're in fight with, with Russia or a fight with China. Uh, those kind of in- antennas would certainly would be a, a, a source of attention and therefore a uh, area of attack. And so therefore they realized that they can no longer use the technology. So DARPA came up with a plan to use tile in terms of facilitate communications. Now, one of the things they didn't talk about, Brother Africa, in terms of using tile in terms of facilitating communications, they didn't talk about the, the, the level of electrical output or elect- electromagnetic uh, forces that's going to be re- unleashed in terms of using uh, using this kind of technology, these tiles in terms of communications. I'm willing to, to, to believe that the kind of um, electrical, uh, in, the kind of electrical pulses that they put out is going to have a devastating impact on human, human health. Um, and that, that is my concern. But interestingly enough, they didn't talk about in terms of the parameters, in terms of how these tiles are going to work. But in order for something that small in terms of put, reduce that kind of output in terms of ability to communicate, uh, then we're talking about a tremendous amount of power, which means so, so the kind of um, electrical output that, um, that it puts out has got to be, be a giant, but it'll be big, very big. And so, therefore, you know, I'm, I'm just wondering in terms of the potential impact in terms of overall health of, of terms of humanity when they utilize the technology. Because clearly they're not thinking in terms of impact on society generally. They're more concerned in terms of how they can maintain their longevity. And so in that sense, they could care less in terms of the overall impact, in terms of destruction, destructive nature of the, imp- or the impact of the uh, technology they innovate. So clearly this, 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 this article is a warning. Uh, it's a warning of sorts to tell people, you know, uh, given the desperation in, in the system of the system, that these people who lead the system are going to do whatever it is in their mind in terms of survival. And so, therefore, we've got to be all very concerned in terms of these technologies. So when they do utilize these technologies in the community, then we'll be in a position to organize because we, we understand effectively, you know, what it means our lives to have to be in the in proximity of this kind of technology in terms of it, the kind of electrical output uh, that is utilized in terms of uh, making sure these uh, the tiles can actually communicate properly. So clearly... This article is a warning, and uh, you know, and I think people should read this one. It's a very good article. Well, Anthony, when we talk about uh, tools of oppression, when we talk about tools of oppression, 
when yeah. we talk about tools of oppression, it's definitely one, and this is another reason why, again, we must understand the laws of dialectics. They definitely are using science as a weapon against the people. Your response to this article? Uh, it, uh, true, Brother Africa, and um, I, I concur. And uh, there's a concern I have that uh, I didn't get a uh, get the chance to do reader further research into is the materials used to make these uh, tiles. And, uh, you know, what little I know about, uh, uh, you know, about microelectronics and whatnot, uh, the raw materials probably come from uh, certain minerals that are obtained in Africa. So uh, so in addition to the concerns that uh, Haki raised, uh, the danger to the people that actually have to extract the raw materials used to make these tiles, the impacts to their uh, uh, short and long-term health. And uh, that's another uh, concern that we need to keep in mind when we talk about, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, technology used by imperialism in order to perpetuate itself. And uh, that there's, there's, uh, there's a little concern uh, about you know uh, uh, you know threat to human life, but more about preserving uh, and and, uh, and and preserving and gaining resources. Brother Moses, your response? Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't able to get to this article. Um, sorry about that. Thank you. About and to I guess we talk about new forms of technology and communication and how it will impact the future communities of our people. Just based on the general discussion, um, are there any comments and anything you'd like to add to your discussion? To I guess. So, panelists, what we're going to do right now, we only have a few minutes left. We will continue this discussion, part two next week, issues that you need to know. Well, I'm going to ask each one of you to just make a final thought, a final summation for today's program. And what I will do first, we will ask our guests who are still with us, are there any final thoughts you would like to share with our listening audience? Uh, just that um, when you got technology, it has dual purposes. It's the one they tell you and the one they don't tell you. Just keep in mind that it's always had dual purposes. Or more than one purpose. Thank you, Carla. That's a real interesting point you just made. Thank you for your participation in today's program. And next we'll go to Brother Moses. Your final thoughts for tonight, Brother Moses. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Brother Africa. Um, I think, you know, we have a lot of work to do in terms of organization and education, um, and um, we have to continuously um, develop propaganda and agitation, as Lennon said, um, to to carry out the mission. Uh, And um, I just thank, thank you for allowing me to be on the show one more time. Have a good night. (laughs) 
All right, thank you, Brother Moses. Aki, right, your final thoughts for tonight. I'm going to be very, very brief. You know, uh, the thing is that, you know, the situation is not getting any better. And I'm particularly concerned in terms of the future of the children and uh, what are we doing or not doing in the community in terms of addressing the long-term interests of our children. The mere fact there's so much apathy out here, there's so much opportunism and so much corruption and flat-out ignorance, uh, we have to do something in terms of addressing these, this, 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 this uh, knowledge deficit that exists in the community. Because without addressing knowledge deficit in the community, one thing is clear, that the ability of the uh, adversaries to utilize propaganda for the purpose of deceiving us is going to become more complex. And so therefore, we've got to be able to see through the propaganda, because if we can't see through the propaganda, they're going to deceive us. So I'm encouraging people to build this institution, to build this organization, and please, by all means, if you don't care anything about yourself, at least think about the youth in terms of their future. And as always, Brother Africa, I encourage people to unravel the matrix because that is key in terms of our longevity in society. And having said that, Brother Africa, you have a good night. All right, thank you, Brother Haki, for your contribution to today's program. And we're going to Brother Anthony, your final thoughts for tonight. My final thought for tonight is um, uh, the level of violence being perpetrated against our community is increasing, and our youth are bearing the brunt of it. So we must, uh, we must, for the sake of our survival, get organized, and we must work to uh, liberate our homeland. And that can only be achieved through Pan-Africanism, one unified socialist Africa. And uh, people can find out more about Pan-Africanism and uh, our party, the All-African People's Revolutionary Party, GC, by visiting our website, www.a-aprp-gc.org. And, um, you know, and... uh, we have to have political, independent political organization. Thanks for having me. I'd like to thank you as well, Brother Anthony, for your contributions to today's program. To our listening audience, of course, we always appreciate your support for allowing us to come to your home this evening to speak truth to power and to share some information with you so that you can use it as a tool for liberation. That's to help liberate your people and help to liberate humanity from all of the various forms of oppression. As you know, this program comes on weekly, every Sunday from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time. And we'd like to encourage you to spread the word to our brothers and sisters. We have a program for them. This is their program. And like we said, remember, without information, you cannot think. And without organization, you cannot think clearly. We encourage you to join an organization that does something to help alleviate the suffering of your people and all humanity. And until next time, let's grab to go forward with This has been Africa on the Move. Can't get no food to eat. 
If you think of the Middle East in this modern time, you can't help but say the word Palestine. People there have lost their land. Some have lost their home. They live in other countries, their freedom almost gone. Palestine, Palestine. needs her freedom. Needs Palestine, Palestine needs our love, needs our love. Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom. Needs freedom. Palestine, Palestine needs our love. There seems to be no answer to give us the reason why people cannot live so no one has to die. We've got to take a stand for freedom, take a stand for truth, take a stand for justice. That's what we've got to do, because Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom. Who be 
on the internet trying to divide. Like use a hotel hustler. Trying to be a people of that low vibe structure. Agree to disagree and we ain't got to tear our own down. Argue in silence or forever be our own downfall. All I want to say is that we're giving it away. Soul ain't for sale and the devil is a fake. Argue with the silence but don't let it seal our fate. Fight behind doors but don't ever show our face. Cause I'm on hat Twitter. Malcolm had Twitter. It be our own people do the trolling. Spill ignorance and do the scolding. Where we going? Cause I'm on hat Twitter. And Malcolm had Twitter. It be our own people do the trolling. Spill ignorance and do the scolding. Where we going? Sometimes the key to life you're looking for be right in front of you. Tried to show my man hidden colors, he said nothing new. I said, what if we've been lied to most of our freaking lives? Every year coming tonight, and you ain't speaking right, your arrogance precedes you. What if your faith did? I spoke to God on Wednesday, he said most of it's basic. Million dollar mindset to be flying, stay hungry. Hieroglyphic writing on walls you couldn't take from me. A man lay dead in the street today. I must have bumped my head and landed in 1940 or something, I swear. And all I have is love and joy to give. I need to spread my wings. I need to fly away. I want to get high today. Who got five on my little bundle of temporary? Man, I want to live long enough to be legendary. Your statistics said by now that I'm going to be dead and buried. But when I heard your voice, it seems as if we met already. And I march for our rights, that civil, the same purpose. Two different tribes and we fighting the same person. Could it be that our eyes was deceiving us? We had to have faith when nobody believed in us. Cosmic companionship sustained me after my husband was assassinated and gave me the strength make my contribution to carrying forward his unfinished work. A man laid dead in the street today. I must have bumped my head and landed in 1940 or something, I swear. And all I have is love and joy to give. I need to spread my wings. I need to fly away.
en intelecto y actitud, estamos sobrados, somos ricos y sigo respetando al gran de Puerto Rico, al cubano, al colombiano, mexicano y español, pero lo de nosotros sale del corazón, con sentimiento, con talento, violento, ojo, no con armas, sino con conocimiento, el intelecto emana de los foros, te metes en internet y lo ves en los foros, de sabiduría, aunque muchos locos piensen que son habladurías, pero que primero fondo la ciencia mía, para que después hablen como comadre, chismosa, yo te escribo en verso y en prosa, no soy Alice en el país de las maravillas, estamos claros, te portas mal, te atribillas, te hacen papillas, es que eso es obvio, o eres ángel o eres demonio, ni nino, o eres ángel o eres demonio, quiero ver a toda la gente con las manos arriba, ¿dónde están los latinos con las manos arriba? Que vive el hip hop con las manos arriba, ¿Qué? con las manos arriba, que viva la cultura con las manos arriba, el deporte con las manos arriba, Venezuela con las manos arriba, ¿Qué? ¿Qué? sentimiento, sabor, rumba, corazón, la salsa retumba, retumba el tambor, no se te olvida el morocco, recuerda el folclore, te lo digo en rap, crece la tensión, ritmo caribeño, se siente el calor, esta es música de calle, al que no le gusta que vaya a llorar para el valle, es música con estilo, tú estás claro así que solo dilo, para que lo sepa, suena tan criolla como comerse una arepa, Venezolana y todo lo que se haga en Venezuela, no solo es un ritmo, escucha las letras, tan criollo como que te vean y te digan, eh, para que te choquen las manos, al final del día, dale, hablamos, y lo que más me alegra, la gente latina siempre será gente negra. Comandante, te amo. Que Dios te bendiga. ¿Dónde está Maranta? El Amaranta y el Pinky, ¿dónde están? ¿No? La cantera.
has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, oh. 